Alex. It's so excited. No, thank you so much for coming on because I know how busy you are and I know that treatment's been quite intense just recently. So. Yeah, I'm quite nervous. <laughs> oh, don't feel nervous. Don't feel nervous. But yeah, but... I'd just like to sort of introduce a, a bit about you and, and give everyone a bit of a backstory because it, it's not just Lyme. And no, no. chronic illnesses that we really want to bring to light as well. Um, yeah, so yeah. I'm 26. Um, I grew up around Staffordshire, like we moved quite a lot, but generally around the West Midlands. Yeah. Um, and at the minute I'm living in Stafford, um, which is a town in Staffordshire. So I have Lyme disease um, and lots of other <laughs> labels and diagnoses. Yeah. Um, but I'd say Lyme is like the overriding factor. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so that's basically like the introduction. Um, but shall I tell you a bit about my story my yes, Lyme journey please. yes please because I think it's it's been quite a journey yeah really <laughs> yeah if anyone follows me on social media they will already know that yeah um so I the thing that I always get asked is do I remember being bitten and the answer is no I never remember having a bite or having the bullseye rash yes. which is what's the telltale um, associated yeah with Lyme so if you have that you been infected yeah. it's a clear indicator that you've got it but only 30 percent of people who actually get lyme from a tick have that rash yeah. so the 70 percent of people who get lyme from a tick don't have it they won't know that they've got it yeah. so i was one of those people um and if you don't get the rash the ticks are so small that you can't even see them so i just i never knew like i, I just didn't get the rash and didn't see a tick so yeah. I had no idea like where I got it or when I got it um and as well you can get it from a mosquito a flea a horse fly a spider any insect that bites so I could have got it from any of those things yeah um so no idea where or when because that's the questions that people always ask me um but if I trace back to when I first got symptoms uh it was when I was about 11 or 12 years old okay. and before that i was a perfectly healthy child yeah. i was never ill and i was really really intelligent um and i came back from florida that sub school summer yeah. i just was never the same again like i just wasn't right yeah i suddenly couldn't concentrate in class and i couldn't understand the teachers when they were talking I was getting in a lot of trouble because the teachers knew me to be this really switched on clever child and suddenly I just couldn't read properly, I couldn't write properly and I was in the top 2% for SATs when you're in, I think it's year 6, so I was like really, really like ahead um, yeah. and I was playing chess like for England, like travelling like around the country Wow. Um, and I was fluent in French when I was at 12 and 13 and wow. I was I was really really intelligent it was obvious to everyone like family friends and school and then suddenly I just wasn't like that anymore yeah. and as well my behavior started to change I just became really naughty and yeah. I think those things cognitive symptoms and behavioral you would never associate with physical illness 
those were the first signs of me getting sick and yeah. that something was wrong. And now I know all those cognitive symptoms are brain fog, aren't they? That's one of the most common yeah. symptoms of Lyme. Yeah. Um, so maybe in Florida I got it because it was after that that I wasn't the same. Yeah. But I also grew up on Canic Chase, which is a huge national forest. We lived right. in big houses with big gardens, lots of wildlife. Um, so yeah. I could have, I could have got it, you know, in England as well. Of course. And as well, like when people have Lyme, it can be dormant at first. And yes. then it's only when the immune system is put under a lot of stress through like, you know, getting, for example, glandular fever or yeah. if you put under a lot of psychological stress that it triggers it. Yeah. So I might have had Lyme before Florida as a child and then got it in Florida I don't really know. Um, but the, the time that I got ill, so for about two years, it was just cognitive symptoms. Yeah. And then when I was 13, I had the HPV vaccine. Right. And after that, I just, I got so ill. Yeah. I, that's when I developed physical symptoms. So it's flu-like, yeah. swollen glands, sore throat, fatigue, muscle pain. Yeah. And that was when I was 13, so I wasn't right really then for a couple of years. And when I was 15, I got swine flu oh, and gosh. I got glandular fever. Yeah. And then it just got a whole lot worse. Like I just was then starting to be in bed, like Rapid after school. Decline. Yeah. Yeah. And it was mainly like viral symptoms were my worst. Um, yes. And then when I was 17, so. My mum started taking to the doctors, I think, when I was 14. By the time I was yeah. 17, nobody knew what was wrong still. And yeah. I had a car crash. Oh, no. And I had a ski accident. And I had a lot of trauma to my head and to my neck. <gasps> um, my God. And I think things got a lot worse after that because any trauma to the body will, infections will thrive. Yeah. And I had a lot of stress, like... Um, well, with, outside with, of yeah, all that, and with yeah. the trauma anyway, there's going to be stress there underlying. Even if you feel like you've shaken it off, it's still yeah, exactly be right. Yeah, and then when I was, it was just downhill from there, really. Yeah. Um, and when I was 19, that's when I was diagnosed. That's 2012 with chronic fatigue, ME. Yeah, and I was just getting really like a lot worse. Um, I had to drop out of uni and started using a wheelchair. Um, And then when I was 21, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia because I was in so much pain, like all the time. Yeah. And then by the time I was 23, um, that was, yeah, that was the worst. Like I never talk about it because like, oh, it's just awful. But the other day, my boyfriend knows about it obviously but i told him what it was really like yeah i've never i've never really said it and it's been about a year and a half we've been together it's just something i just don't talk about but i feel like i should share so people can know Um, yes so by 2016 when i was 23 i was completely bedridden um i couldn't move my arms or legs at all I couldn't, so I couldn't stand up, I couldn't walk, I wasn't able to sit up. If somebody else had to lift me up, um, I would just back out instantly. Um, And I had to be in pitch black 
because of light sensitivity was so severe. It was so painful, any amount of light. So I had my curtains closed for about a year and no lights on and I couldn't have any noise. So nobody right. could talk to me. Um, yeah. And I couldn't be touched because of the hypersensitivity of my nerves. So yeah. it, if someone like put a finger on me, it would literally feel like I'd been stabbed. Um, yeah. And I basically lay in a bed like that for seven months and I couldn't communicate, I couldn't talk, I couldn't have anyone talk to me. Um, and the only time I moved from my bed was once every two weeks um, when I was bathed. So my mum would carry me a few metres to my bath, wash me, yeah. change my pyjamas and put me back in the bed. And I had a commode to go to the toilet. Um, so, and I was, the next step was to be get, to be put on a tube to be fed because I couldn't, I couldn't even chew. I couldn't, I couldn't open my mouth or move my mouth. Um, so that was for seven months. Wow. Um, prior to that, I'd been housebound for four months. So I was housebound for 11 months and confined to the room. So completely bedridden for seven. Um, and then, then I, I just kept having paramedics come out all the time because my heart, right. my heart was in a really bad way. I was at heart yeah. rate of 100, 140 beats a minute whilst I was bedridden. And if anyone tried to move me or like sit me up, it would go up 100, 170. That's crazy. Um, and I couldn't breathe like, at all. Like, you know how you breathe normally? Yeah. I used to breathe like this. <laughs> it's not constant. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was that was the the. I couldn't have got much worse. Um, yeah. And the NHS said that, but even they said to me, you have to go private because you don't have long left. There isn't much time. And they told me to go private because they couldn't help me. Right. Um, and when they said that, I think my parents really like freaked out and were like, "Oh God," because it yeah. was bad. Obviously, everyone knew how bad it was because I was bedridden. Yeah. But the GP said your organs are starting to fail. This is how I see people who are 80 or 90 at the end of their life. Your heart's giving up, your lungs are. Like you've got to go private and you've got to go now. And then yeah. it was a bit of a shock. Like, okay, this isn't chronic fatigue. <laughs> or yeah. It might be, but like, I'm clearly not fatigued. I'm clearly, yeah. you know. There's something more going on. It was very serious. Yeah. Um. So we, I, I, we saw about Lyme disease on the internet. There was a documentary called Under Our Skin. Yes. And there was a, it's an amazing documentary for anyone with Lyme who wants to know about Lyme, knows someone with Lyme. It's so good. It's about 10 years old, but it's still really relevant and you can watch it on YouTube. And there was a girl in it and she was being carried because she couldn't move her arms and legs. And I saw her and I was like, oh my God, that is me. I was yeah. like, what is wrong with, she's got Lyme, I was like, what even is that, I never even heard of it, I was like, yeah. that is what I've got, and my parents were like, oh, like, you know, we've never heard of this, you know, yeah. don't don't get your hopes up, I was like, I'm telling you, that is what's wrong with me, and we tried to get tested with the GP, but the GP wouldn't test me, um, 
they said that I didn't live in a high-risk area, but oh one, one mile down the road was a vet's practice saying, beware of your animals with ticks. So the vets yeah. were aware of ticks and Lyme, but the GPs weren't. I mean, I, I, it's not like, as well, I got it recently. I'd had it since a child, and I'd lived in many yeah. different places. Yeah. You know, and this is a big misconception you don't just get lime in like forest or long grass you can get it in your back garden it's everywhere you yeah, know you don't is. need it in a high you don't need to be in a high risk area and that is something that people gps are really undereducated on so then Definitely. we realized we had to go private so we googled private testing for lyme disease and yeah. um found breakspear medical which is a private clinic in Hertfordshire who specialise in infectious disease and environmental allergies. Um, Breakspear is always where I've been treated since 2016. Yeah. And they use labs from Germany and America to diagnose Lyme. Um, yeah. So I went there. Um, it's the first time I'd left the house in 11 months. And my family wow. wanted me to get a private ambulance because I just couldn't go in a car. But the noise of the ambulance was so much louder than a car and noise made me yeah. so ill that we ended up making a bed in the car. Right. And um, I went down there and they did the test and it came back positive, which is exactly what I thought it would. Yeah. Um, and I'm so glad I actually went there and did it and didn't do it with the NHS because now I know that the NHS test is so unreliable and inaccurate. It really is, yeah. Like, it just shouldn't even exist because so many people that have Lyme have that test and it says it's negative, yeah. but they actually have Lyme. So yeah. just because your test is negative on the NHS does not mean you don't have it. So I would advise anyone to get tested with almond labs they're the best labs yeah and i think that's very important because a lot of people think you know i haven't got the money or i can't go private but with this it, you, you kind of have to it's your only option yeah you don't have a choice you need. because you, you won't know from an nhs test the truth yeah. Yeah. um so you can get blood taken from your gp nurse if they'll do it or go to a private spire or bmi and then you yeah. send the blood to america um, yeah. No, sorry, not America, Germany. Germany, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's the testing. And then yes. with my treatment, shall I just kind of summarise? Yeah, because I know that you've obviously had done a lot. lot. Yeah. yeah, but I just thought I'd say a quick summary. Yeah. Um, so for Lyme itself, like the bacteria, I did penicillin injections twice a week for a year. I never did intravenous antibiotics because my body wasn't strong enough. Um, yeah. IV antibiotics can be really aggressive and you have to be a certain kind of fitness or health even if you're sick to, to tolerate it otherwise you you'll just go down a lot so yeah. I was never that was never part of the plan for me so I did the penicillin injections then I did the Buna protocol which was a herbal protocol for a couple of years yeah. um, those are the main things I've done for Lyme and then yes as well as Lyme, this is something that people don't really know about, is when you get bitten and you get Lyme, a lot of the time you ha get you get other infections, infections. as well. Yeah, yeah, so it's known as co-infections. So yeah. I've got Lyme, obviously, and then I've got Anaplasma, Bartonella, Babesia, 
chlamydia pneumonia, chlamydia trachomatis. They're not the sexually passed chlamydia yeah. for people that don't know. Mycoplasma pneumonia, Yersinia. So I've got every co-infection that you can test yeah. for. So yeah. I took otrocinate for Babesia for on and off for about three years. It's an anti-malarial drug. And that right. was one of the best things I've ever done because all my heart symptoms and my chest symptoms were Babesia. So they went away with that treatment. Oh, that. Um, and then I take tinctures for Bartonella um, and strep, the infection as well, I take tinctures for. Um, but I'd say that my main problem with infections is more viral. Um, yeah. So I've got EBV, which is glandular fever. Um, yeah chlamydia no sorry cytomegalovirus um yeah and hhv6 which i think might be the shingles one i'm not sure yeah 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 um, that's the one. but i when i first went to breaks with the only treatment i did was a cyclovir which is an antiviral i took it orally and that's what got me from bedridden to walking again so that a few yeah. weeks after taking that, I could stand up and walk about three steps in my room. And then about a month later, I remember getting up after the bed and walking about five metres to the toilet. And my carer at yeah. the time, she was there. And I stood up and she freaked out. She's like crying. She was like, oh my God, are you okay? What's happening? Are you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm just going to the toilet. And she, she'd been my carer for nine months. She'd been every day for nine months. And she, she'd never seen me walk before. Yeah. And she'd never seen me stand up. So that was well, from, that's the, amazing. from yeah. the antiviral treatment. And then ever yeah. since then, I did that for two years. And then I've been on herbs for viruses continuously and still am. Um, yeah. For infusions, I did a lot of acyclovir infusions for three months as well. And yeah. I've done a lot of detox infusions at Breaks Bin, like glutathione, thioxacid, aflopoic acid. Um, yeah. I would say detox has been a huge part of my treatment. I've done hundreds and hundreds of infrared saunas. Um, yeah. Infrared is so much better than normal because the infrared rays penetrate really deep inside your cells, whereas a normal okay. sauna, it doesn't. So you need yeah. the infrared to get the toxins out of your cells. Um, yeah. And so I do a lot of people can um, buy those on on the internet, can't? Yeah, they? yeah, you can I buy them on the internet, yeah, like a pop up one. Yeah, but I found one in Stafford where I live, and I just typed into the internet like infrared sauna near me, and you you can find them oh, as well. Right. That's, that's yeah. Great. yeah, so that's really good because um, I've got a lot of heavy metals. So heavy metals are a big thing I've been treating. Yeah. I had my mercury fillings removed, like my amalgams. Yeah. Um, and then just loads of detox for heavy metals. And then the other thing that's helped me the most, which is specific to Breakspear, is they do a cell repair program. Um, right. And I have a lot of neuropathy and nerve damage all over my body. Um, when I first went to Breakspear, I had no feeling in my legs. So if someone touched me, I couldn't feel anything. Right. Um, and as well a lot of pain from nerve damage yeah. neuropathy and trigeminal neuralgia pain in the face so i did an infusion for three months with breaks beer it's basically infusions of fats and the fats are what nerves are made of so it helped repair all the nerve damage um i also lost my sense of smell and my sense of taste oh um, that's like the which, worst 
Well, I didn't know. I didn't even yeah. realise I had because I'm so used to it. Yeah. But um, they did tests in the part of the brain that registers the sense of smell and taste. Those nerves, mine weren't, mine weren't working. Right. Um, and those are they're basically, if you have that, it's a sign that in 20 years' time you can develop neurodegenerative diseases. So it, it was a big... That was a big kind of problem below, yeah. from from everything that's that I've got that's happened. Yeah. So the cell repair program has helped me get my smell and my oh, taste back wow. as well. That's amazing. Um, and repair the parts of the brain that were damaged, like the yeah. nerves. So hopefully it will prevent me going on to develop these neurodegenerative illnesses. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and then orally, I did a lot of mitochondrial support. Um, so that's for energy and fatigue. Yeah. And a lot of support for my gut because I have quite a bad candida and a lot of just a lot of gut problems really. Yeah. Um so that's like a summary of the last few years. But what I'm doing at the minute um are vaccines for food and chemical sensitivities. It's something breaks a bit off it's called yeah. low dose immunotherapy. I've been doing it for like three years, but it helps me so much with my food and chemical sensitivities. Yeah. Like without it, I can't go out without wearing a mask because the chemicals make me so ill. And then I can't go to other people's houses. They can't come to my house. And I'm sick like every time I eat. Yeah. But with it, I can have some kind of a life. Yeah. Um, and I think, so that, I think that's really, really important because with Lyme, you kind of feel like it's a life sentence and you almost feel yeah, exactly. in your own body. Yeah, exactly. Like, if these things don't necessarily cure me, but they help me live a bit more, yeah. then I'm really happy. Yeah. So I do the vaccines, and then I take Nalcrom, which is for food allergies. That's the only prescription pharmaceutical that I'm taking now, which is such a huge progress, because for so long I had to take really intense, like, antivirals, antimalarials, yeah. things for the infections. And now the fact that I can maintain it all with herbs is a huge step Definitely. um so I take herbs for lyme co-infections strep viruses my gut and i do a lot of detox still things like glutathione i take zeolites corella a lot of binders and milk thistle for the liver yeah the only vitamins i take are b12 and vitamin d and minerals i take magnesium but apart from that, I prefer to get my vitamins and minerals from food. food yeah, um, definitely. And as well, I'm looking into starting saunas again. Um, okay. Because they have, they did really help me. Yeah. Um, and I speak to a psychologist um, once a week, which really helps as well. Because obviously, like we've all been through a lot. If we have this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and sometimes you just need someone to say that you're not crazy because you dare self-doubt so much yeah and because other people might because you look fine or you look well and good yeah. people are like how can you be in pain or how can you feel ill that like, you yeah. look fine yeah you, you so grow in terms of like you grow treatment like my advice yeah. is that and testing if anyone with chronic fatigue or ME get yourself and fibromyalgia, get yourself tested with Armin Labs for Lyme, for co-infections, for viruses, and detox is so important because we're all full of crap, basically. Yeah. So detox is so important for treatment. And one thing I'm looking into doing at the minute is a parasite cleanse, okay. and I think it's that's really important. 
that's yeah. quite underlooked. So I'd recommend people to, to doing that and to not get tested for parasites because the tests are really unreliable, a bit like the Lyme NHS okay. one. Like it doesn't always find them. Yeah. Because you're not getting rid of them every time you go to the toilet. Yeah. Um, so just to do a parasite cleanse anyway. Um, Perfect. And that most people with Lyme, people just think we're talking about the bacteria, but most of us have a million other things like you can see as well yeah yeah of course and and look out for the signs of it like i people think that with lyme it can be sudden onset but my case it was very gradual yeah um and my worst symptoms are obviously energy fatigue muscle weakness i'm in a lot of pain in my arms and legs like muscle pain and then glands my ears sinuses a lot of viral flu-like problems yeah and then a lot of pain and pressure like in my head and neck and inflammation yeah so it's not just specific symptoms like it can affect anywhere in your body so definitely yeah that's why it's so hard to diagnose though as well um yeah. i just think it's important to people to be aware that a lot of people probably have this definitely. you know i actually have one two three friends four from school who have it oh and wow oh my god people that i knew before yeah and they don't talk about it like no one in our town knows but they've all told me separately that they're ill and they're treating it and i think if people just talked about it and told people imagine how many people actually have it i know that's it and i think it's very difficult because we feel like we're going to the doctors with a shopping list full of symptoms and people feel judged they feel like they're not yeah going to be yeah that's what it is seriously. it's like yeah i think as well like people don't want to talk about it because they're scared yeah. but nothing will change unless we change it of course like the world doesn't change itself it changes because of us definitely but how have you sort of felt with you know after being poorly and, and learning sort of the hardships of like losing friends mm. um, or <laughs> <laughs> well hmm. i would say with friends i i was very lucky because before i was really poorly i had such a big like wide variety of friends yeah. that even though i've lost a lot i still got a lot yeah and that's something i'm really grateful for i kind of have this rule like with friends one if they ditch me or they're a bad friend once, I forgive them. If they do it twice, then they're kind of out. Yeah. I don't give them more than a second chance. Um, That's fair. That's really fair. And I think it's the same with relationships as well. Like, friends and relationships, the people that are going to stick by you, hold on and don't let go of them. Yeah. Because you don't realise how good you've got it with those people. But if people aren't like that it's just not worth it and no. i know a lot of people who are poorly just say like oh i've lost i've got no friends and but how many people are on this planet is, is, billion, is it billions i think it's billions yeah um, yeah okay so think how many people are on the planet there is friends for everyone yeah just go out there there's going to be people that you can be friends with you know if you've lost friends just make new ones that's my advice yeah um and the new ones you make you find were probably better than the original ones yeah of course because they're more understanding and yeah, exactly. they can work around your life and like you're saying just like going out is very difficult but they can understand that and they're more flexible and that's what you need yeah because if they away. know 
if they know you now as ill, it's different because they'll be okay with it because they're making friends with you as you are yeah. now. Yeah. It's kind of old friends. It's the change that they find difficult. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I have learned a lot like from this. I mean, I definitely wouldn't say it's been all worth it for the lessons I've learned, but okay. I think one of the things I've learned the most is the things that people think are important they're just not yeah like it's you know i hear people i have quite a low tolerance to people these days and i hear people complain oh it's too hot oh it's too cold yeah oh, it's raining yeah. oh my hair's frizzy today oh so and so from the gym did you know what they said like i know i'm just sitting here like this isn't day-to-day life i encounter the like everybody talk like this yeah. and i'm just like i don't know how, like this doesn't matter like none of this matters yeah like i just want to shout at people and just say do you know how lucky you are that you are alive and well yeah and people just have this tendency to be negative and moan and i really don't understand why like we're ill and we don't even moan <laughs> and i think everyone who isn't sort of poorly they think they're immune to it all and that they, it won't ever happen to them and they can just keep going on with life and you know yeah but i just don't get it like no. why people moan so much like that's one one thing it's changed is my perspective like yeah i remember when i first went to breakspear and i was carried from the bed to the car and i breathed in that air and i'd not breathed fresh air for 11 months and yeah. i wanted to cry because i was so happy to have the wind like and like blow on me and breathe in that like i literally want to cry but i was too ill to even cry yeah and i remember going in a taxi like quite a few months after i started getting better and the man was complaining it was raining i said to him i'm sorry but i have to say this i said do you realize how lucky you are that you are out here in the world witnessing the rain I said, yeah. I, and he was like, whoa, what, sorry, what do you mean? I was like, I lay in bed for 11 months. I was trapped in a room. I didn't see the sunlight for 11 months. I didn't see the outdoors. I didn't see the rain. And I never thought I would make it out. Yeah. And I said, I'm so grateful to be sitting in this taxi witnessing this rain. And I just think the perspective yeah. is so different. Yeah. Like, that happened once, but then last year I got sepsis and which is anyone can get i got it because i had a water cath for my infusions and it got infected and yeah. when i was in that hospital i really believed i wasn't going to make it out because i was so so acutely ill yeah and i was in hospital for 12 days and everyone around me didn't know whether i was going to make it either it was touch and go on a like hourly basis yeah. and almost losing your life not once but twice it just completely changes everything yeah you just see the world so differently of course you do um, yeah and i think people just need to sit and think for a second you know yes of course how lucky yeah. they are to be here and, and maybe not complain so much or not moan about things that really don't matter yeah yeah definitely I and i think like we're saying you become far more grateful for the little things and, oh my gosh and yeah, i think completely. it's really important to have gratitude and i think that's one of the things that i'm quite thankful for with my illness that it has woken me up a little bit yeah so much oh, i mean don't get that. me wrong i was like those people before yeah like i was just like them but i just think it just changes you Definitely. like when i first met my boyfriend and he'd say things or do things and be like just 
how come like yeah. he was like you know why are you not bothered by that or why does that yeah. not bother you he was like he just kind of was like you just don't seem bothered or like annoyed or upset by like anything <laughs> and i was like yeah you know what you just don't get annoyed or upset about the same things as yeah. people that haven't been through this stuff and that's what i always say to myself like if i'm upset or annoyed this is a good tip i always tell my mum as well i say if is this going to bother me in, in my head i ask myself will this bother me in five years will i still be upset about yeah. this in five years if the answer is no then just forget about it move on yeah yeah because life is too short to be wasted on things that don't matter yeah of course it is and sort of talking about your main support system, I know that obviously your mum is like the soul sister. Yeah. <laughs> fought through everything with you and your boyfriend, you know, he's a great, great support as well. Yeah. So my family, oh, I literally I was thinking about this. I couldn't sleep last night. Like, oh. I don't I don't know what I would do without them. Yeah. Like, in terms of how it's broken up, my dad and his my stepmom yeah um they support me financially okay so they pay for all my treatment and they rent the flat that i'm in right um so i know they had lots of plans like to do with their money but they they've not been able to do that because the costs of of this kind of treatment it's insane and for going on it doing it year after year after year yeah so if they hadn't have been able to support me financially like i would not be here because breaks bit saved my life not yes. once but twice when i had sepsis um so they they give everything in terms in terms of that um it's money that i could never repay you know yeah, of course um and then in terms of like day-to-day care like my mom she had to take care of like she had to give up work to take care of me yeah um when i needed full-time care and for that year when i was in bed she she probably left the house less than five times because i couldn't sit up i couldn't have a drink i couldn't reach for water i could go to the toilet so i had to have 24-hour care yeah so she gave up her life to save mine and it's something that I think most people wouldn't do. Yeah. I mean, she didn't have she didn't have a choice because I was so ill. Yeah. But you know, if it wasn't for her, I would be in a care home. Definitely, and because, I think obviously we're yeah. we're so so grateful for the support, but there's always that sort of guilt that we carry around. Oh yeah. Like said, we we want them to be living life. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I have so much guilt towards everybody. Yeah. It's awful, but it, it's not our fault. It's happened to us. No, but... definitely not. But it, it's one of the factors of chronic illness that we have to deal with, isn't it? I just don't want it to be like this, and that's what I feel guilty about. Yeah. Um, but like with day-to-day care, um, I've moved out of my mom's into my into a flat. I really yeah. struggle to live with other people because I have a lot of noise sensitivity. I sleep about at least 12 hours every 24 and um i have a lot of problems with chemicals like sensitivities yeah um so it's better for me to live on my own um i can't really cook i can't clean wash up do my washing take the bins out because i have so much pain in my arms that using my arms even to like have a shower is really difficult yeah um and as well i don't have a lot of strength at all so i couldn't chop vegetable i can't i can't use my arms very much right 
and to have POTS, which is a heart condition, um, what is it's to do with the heart, but it's okay. the nervous system that affects the heart. And if I'm standing or upright, I basically feel a lot more ill than if I'm lying down. Right. So with all those house kind of jobs, you need to be standing or sitting, and I really struggle with that. Yeah. Um. So I get a lot of help, and my boyfriend is amazing. Like he. Whenever he's can, he helps, but he works full time, so it's difficult. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, I still really struggle. Ideally, I could do with a lot more help than I get because I am really struggling. Yeah. But I know everyone has other commitments. People can't give up their lives. Of you know. Course. Yeah, and you you want them to really, and I think no, that's, exactly. That's I'd point. rather struggle and just kind of do what I can. Yeah. Um. But, and as well, like with my memory, because I have cognitive problems, yeah. and my mom has to help me with everything to do with bills and my benefits and things like that. I can't do anything like that because yeah. my brain just does not work. Or she'll have to come and take my food out of the fridge or the freezer to defrost because I, I won't remember. Yeah. And then I won't have anything to eat. So it's just simple things that affect yeah. your day to day life. Um, yeah, like cognitive is a big part of it actually as well. Like yeah. recently, I had so many things happen. Like I had a car crash because I accidentally put my foot on the accelerator when I meant to put on the brake. Oh, and no. I don't know what happened, but yeah. my brain just got confused. And then the next day, I knocked a man off a bike because he was all right. I know it sounds awful, but oh, he, I forgot to look right and I just looked left. Yeah. And then I went to Sainsbury's to get something to eat and I couldn't, I felt too ill to drive back. So I sat down to have a rest in the cafe and I forgot about the timer on the car and I got a £100 fine. Oh no. And then the next day I was having the parent treatment in Manchester Yeah. and I left my tram ticket in the toilet at the parent and I got a £100 fine. Oh, and it's no. just like... And then the, the ne- literally the next day, I left my debit card in a coffee shop somewhere. And these things happen to everyone, but not to the kind of level and yeah. frequency that they happen to people with cognitive problems. Definitely. Because it really disrupts my life, like having all this, this brain things. Yeah, of course. And I mean, that, that sort of leads on to sort of where you feel, well, how do you manage your sort of life work and health balance because it is oh so difficult yeah well i'm not able to work i mean the last time i worked properly i worked at top shop when i was 18 so that was nine years ago yeah and um i just remember i don't know what was wrong with me but every half an hour i used to go asked to go to the toilet and i used to lie down on the floor in the toilet because i felt so ill and then I was just like I can't stand up anymore I can't do this job yeah um and then I kind of worked on and off in fashion um in London when I was at uni the the part of uni that I could do yeah um but um I did a lot of it from home because it was social media and marketing right and then Australia I did stuff but it was from it's literally from my bed because it was online yeah so I can't really say much about working because I've I've never really I've always been too ill. Yeah. Um, but I am looking into volunteering. Um, maybe not. Yeah. Not. I think that's a good way for people to get back into work because you don't have the commitment of yeah. if you're not there, people are losing money. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So I am. I'm thinking about maybe a, there's an organic farm, but not not in the farm bit because I can't yes. do like manual work. Yeah. Um, 
but maybe assisting with the PR and social media. I've, I've, I spoke to them about it. Or at a library. Um, oh, I can't cool. go anywhere where there's a lot of chemicals or yeah. people. Um, the library's pretty empty and pretty quiet, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm thinking I would recommend volunteering before yeah. going back into work. Definitely. And, I, and it gives you a sense of purpose back. Yeah, as exactly. Well. And as well, because I get quite lonely in my flat, like, I just want to be out. Yes. Yeah. And feeling like I'm part of the community, even yeah. if I'm not really doing that much. Um, but today I, I went to a shop near where I live and the woman asked me, I know the woman who works there, she works with small businesses and she asked me if I'd be interested in running a workshop on teaching them how to use social media. Oh, and wow. I was like, wow. I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I'd love to. Yeah. Um, so it's trying to kind of think about what your skills are and how to put it into use, but in a way that's not going to make you worse. Yes, of course, yes. Um, so I can't, yeah, I can't really say much about work, sorry. Um, well, no, but it, it's, it's a part of the life that you're hoping to get back and you're going to, you know, step out into the world again. But, it, you know, yeah. like you said, you, you need to balance and people yeah. will appreciate you being honest about it because they're probably thinking themselves, like, I feel lonely, I want to get back into it, but how do I? Um, yeah, that's true. Your advice just to get get out there and volunteer, volunteer it. Yeah, is a great, great source of advice. I'd like, I definitely would like to start it, but the minute I forgot to say as well, I do the parent treatment. It's called the parent technique. Okay. Um, and it's the main treatment I've done that's helped with chronic fatigue. I mean, honestly, like it's changed my life. Yeah. Um, it's like a manual treatment on the lymphatic system to drain the toxins because mm-hmm. a lot of us have. Um, toxins blocking our lymphatic system which make us fatigued yeah so I, I go to that clinic and I have to commute to Manchester twice a week um so I don't if I'm resting between that then I don't yes. really have any spare energy to volunteer at the minute yeah but in the future maybe yeah mm. definitely and, and like you said you know we're very very poorly that we have to sort of prioritize our health yeah exactly yeah so i would say like as well in terms of social life health comes before everything yeah health comes before work becomes before social life literally it's the priority i made the mistake when i was getting better that i put a lot of things before it and yeah it just made me so much worse but now i won't i won't put anything before it it comes first and with in terms of sort of awareness and how we can help get this you know disease more recognized what do you think moving forward and um, we need to do in the uk i just think talking about it social media yeah. social media has probably helped so much because when i first got diagnosed in 2016 and i said i had lyme disease nobody knew what it was yeah now you say you have lyme disease everybody knows what it is yes. um so more publicity more awareness um but also, to be honest, I don't think that the illness is really going to be going away because it. My like theory of why we're or why a lot of us are ill from this is because, um, and this doctor that I've seen, one of the doctors, said this to me is that yeah. Lyme's been around for thousands of years. They found it in the the corpses of mummies, yeah. um, but people weren't sick from it then necessarily 
but people are getting very sick from it now and because we live in such a polluted world and it's so yes. toxic our toxic loads are so high that that crashes our immune system and right. then our immune system can't deal with the lime yeah so the best advice or what i want to say is if the world will get more and more polluted as time goes on it's inevitable with things like wi-fi 5g you know not just polluted yeah. toxins of radiation as well you know yeah. um the things we're eating and you know, but if we can kind of lower the toxic loads in our bodies generally then we have such a better chance of fighting this infection yeah and the aim isn't necessarily to get rid of it out the body because that's not really possible when it's chronic but you yeah. just kind of wanted to put it in a corner and be like, hey, hey, Lime, like, you go stay over there in the corner. Don't bother me. Yeah. It's just about getting the immune system to control all it. So in terms of, like, awareness, it's it's not about necessarily the Lime. I think it's about lifestyle yeah. and changing the way that we live and changing our environment so we can have, deal with it better. Yeah, definitely. And I know just recently you've been able to sort of go out a little bit more yeah do you feel a bit more like feeling happier in yourself that maybe you're feeling that you're living life yeah like I love to go out you know before I was even really poorly I was so sociable I was here there everywhere traveling the world million different friends like I just live life to the full and that's probably didn't help with my illness but that's just my personality it's the way that I am and I'm so happy that I can do a lot more physically, but everything that I do is actually really strategically planned. Like it doesn't yeah. probably look like it on social media, Yeah. but I would have like loads of tips actually for people that are trying to plan things. Um, for example, like when I go out, I'll take a yeah. wheelchair with me and I might not post pictures in it, but I can only walk 10 or 15 minutes and if I need to walk more than that I need a wheelchair yeah so take a wheelchair don't push your body beyond its limits um as well use a disabled badge so you don't have to walk very far um I don't go out at peak times so when it's lunch or dinner I'd go out late morning or late afternoon because it's too much noise too much stimulus too many people with chemicals yeah so going out at quieter times is better I always choose places that I know are not going to be too busy or too noisy. Yeah. Um, I never sit outside in the summer because there's people smoking. Um, yeah. And I wear a mask for chemical sensitivities, especially when I'm on public transport because um, I don't want to pick up other people's infections because if I get an infection, then I get really sick. Like a cold could knock me out for like three months. Yeah. Um, ring ahead as well my boyfriend will ring places and make sure there's a booth or we can sit next to a wall because i have a lot of muscle weakness and wastage in my neck it's really hard for me to lift my head up but if i'm next to a wall or in a booth and i can lean then i'm fine well not fine but yeah yeah Um, yeah. check that they do like gluten-free food or dairy-free like soup, yes. whatever your needs are and then yeah. everything's planned like if I'm going out in the afternoon so I'm coming now to the coffee shop to Skype you or to do this yeah. this morning yeah. I'll rest and tonight I'll rest so yeah. I plan my rest around activity um, yeah so even though I go out a lot everything is very planned <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, we have to have our life and it, it's sometimes just nice to soak up the atmosphere. Yeah, I just love out. being out. 
yeah i feel like, like why you fight for yeah like, i just feel like from when i couldn't go out for a year and i just felt like if i'd have died nobody would have even really noticed like i felt oh. so unpart of the world yeah and like I just feel like we're all on this planet for a purpose, like of to course. do something with it. Yeah. And if you're just lying in a bed, what are you doing? Whereas, like, yeah. even if I'm going out, like, to the shop or to whatever, I I'm happy because I feel like I'm a part of the world. Of course, yes. So yeah. that's amazing feeling, really. Definitely. Well, like, I'll be in Tesco and I'll be like, oh, I'm going to buy some ice lollies, and I'll probably start crying in the aisle. Like, I'm so happy I'm oh. walking to the shop, and everyone's like staring at me like, is she okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just really happy to be in Tesco buying my <laughs> ice lollies. <laughs> oh, you have to laugh. Yeah, otherwise no. I just cry all the time. Exactly, but it it means so much to us, and like again, it kind of goes back to gratitude. We're just so yeah, great. Exactly. <laughs> yeah life just seems so different after you've gone through this yeah definitely it will and it'll never go back to how it was because you know we're changed now of course yeah mm. yeah definitely well it's been an absolute delight talking to you today and i just sort of want to finish with everybody knowing your socials so that people oh can yeah follow you because you do have some great tips and thank you that you give out on a daily basis that people will really you know love to hear about and see yeah well i i post a lot on instagram about kind of everything (laughs) um so my instagram oh i don't know if i know what it is um i think it's emma blonde voyage Voyage, yeah yeah it used to be my blonde voyage but then my account got deleted so i've had to start again um and then on facebook i post a lot of stuff like about the news to say lime is in the news or um or like documentaries that people can yes. watch so on Facebook. It's Emma Franklin, um, and then my blog. I don't really write it that much, but when I do, I write really long posts. <laughs> and I think I'm doing one soon about my recovery from sepsis, yeah. and then um, a current treatment plan. So my blog is www.blondevoyage.org. Perfect. Um, I think that's everything. Yeah, and I think that's really great. And like I said, you know, people. Can just hop over to your instagram because you always have helpful advice and tips yeah and that's i'm why... so bad at replying to people though because my brain's just like oh i'm too ill <laughs> yeah but i think it's, it's it's great for people just to see that you know you can still live life and you are helping yeah i think that's what life. i want to show really is because you can go through the darkest times and that doesn't the past doesn't determine the future of so course. with my new instagram I was saying that to the woman today in that shop. I was saying how I just feel like you need to show that even... I know if you're really, really sick, like bedridden, you can't live life, but if you even can just a little bit, then you just go for it because we've only got one life and we've got to make it count, really. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you so, so much. And thank, thank you for you. coming on today. I understand that you're probably... Oh, my God. I'm so, I, I just felt like I was talking to you. I forgot that people are actually going to be listening to this. <laughs> oh, well. Well, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. And we'll catch yeah. up again very, very soon. Yeah, I'll speak to you soon. Thank you Bye. So much. Bye. Bye. Bye.